Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, take your Bibles. Go to 1 Timothy 3. In, our, uh, in, the, in the announcements while I go, I forgot to announce. I think most of you all know that um, Gary Black's brother, Ray, passed away uh, earlier this week. And uh, they're planning a memorial service. Uh, she just walked out, I think, on the 6th? The 6th. Okay. That's the Alamo Funeral Home. Yeah, Alamo Funeral Home on the 6th at 4 o'clock. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll certainly keep the black family in our prayers. Um, 1 Timothy 3. This morning we're talking about biblical church leadership. Speci- and Well, really this week and next week we're talking about biblical church leadership. Uh, and this morning focusing specifically on the role or the office of elder. And then next week we'll focus on the office of deacons. Um, Now, really quickly, I want you to think of an effective leader. When you think of an effective leader, I want you to think who comes to mind. So, you know, if you're in the military, maybe maybe you think of a of a great commanding officer that you've known, or maybe maybe some great military officer from the past, like Dwight Eisenhower. um, You know, maybe even like like going further or back to like Winston Churchill during uh, World War II. George Washington, all right, yeah, that's true. He, he holds, holds a pretty good spot here in, in the U.S., doesn't he? If you're in business, maybe, maybe you think somebody like Steve Jobs, who built Apple from, from the ground up. I'm reading his biography right now. Um, so maybe somebody like Peter Drucker, who gave us that great quote, everything rises and falls on leadership, or, or a, a leadership guru like John Maxwell. For believers, maybe maybe for us, we go back and we would look at Jesus. Well, there's not really anywhere higher to go when it comes to leadership or morality or anything else. Or, or somebody like Paul or Peter. Maybe, maybe you think of a great pastor or a spiritual leader in, in your own life. You know, we're a world... Sorry, voice cracked there for a We live in a world... Man, my goodness. We, we live in a world that values leadership. I'm always amazed when I go to somewhere like Barnes and Noble and look at the leadership section um, and what that, what kind of different philosophies are there and, and the different leadership ideas that we have. Um, and you know, what we will run into a lot of times in the church world is we'll try to take some corporate leadership structures that have worked in the business arena and we'll say, well, if it worked there, if it worked in what we'd call the secular arena, why don't we just bring in, bring that into the church? And so uh, for pastors then, that means some pastors end up, end up functioning, functioning like a CEO. In fact, have you known some churches who the senior pastor is senior pastor and CEO? Well, drive by on the sign. Um, I think there's some issues when we try to mold biblical leader or church leadership into the mold of the world. And here's why I say it, because the Bible is going to tell us what leadership in God's church should look like. All right. And so this morning we're simply asking, what does biblical church leadership look like this week and next week? And so let me just remind you gently, you know, if we see differences in the biblical picture of church leadership and, and the leadership structure in our own church's model, the, the burden is on us to conform to the biblical structure, not to conform the biblical structure into the way we've always done it. All right, so I'm going to say some things that might kind of scrape a little. Now, now, 
they might scrape against our Baptist sensibilities. Okay, now, now let me lay some stuff out on the table really quickly. I am as Southern Baptist as the day is long, okay? That's all I've ever been. Lord willing, that's all I'll ever be, okay? I, I bleed Southern Baptist. Um, but I think our traditional model, as we'll see when we, when we dive into the, uh, into the text here this morning, I think our traditional model of a single senior pastor is wrong. And, and now, there, there's my provocative statement, okay? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh that out and show you from the Bible why I think that's wrong, but that's a provocative statement. I think that this traditional Baptist model, for, for everything that we do right, I think this is something that we've missed the mark. Now, let me also say, this is not a salvation issue, okay? So I'm not saying repent all you filthy heathen Southern Baptists because you've gotten this. No, 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 no. Now, I'll also say this. I've only ever been in churches where this is the model, Okay? So it's not uncommon, but I think we need to ask questions this morning. What does, the, what does the Bible have to say about church leadership? And how do our church structures align? And if we see a difference, and as I said, I think the burden is on us to align ourselves with what the Bible said. Now, all that said, the Bible is going to present us with two offices in the church. That of pastor, or the, you'll see the word pastor, you'll see the word elder, and you'll see the word overseer. Those refer to the same office. Those terms are used interchangeably. In fact, in a couple of our passages this morning, we'll see those words used in, in different instances to refer to the same office. And so we have pastors and deacons. Now here's the difference, okay? Pastors are servant leaders. Pastors are those men that God has called to lead his church. Deacons are leading servants. Now, now here's where I think we've gotten this wrong, okay? In a lot of churches, maybe there's a history here with this as well, you'll have one pastor, but you'll have deacons in name who are serving as elders in role. And so I think a lot of churches have plurality of elders. They just don't call them that. They call them deacons. And I think if we're going to have the two offices, we need to, we need to have the biblical definitions of, of the two offices as well. Right? So pastors are servant leaders. Deacons are leading servants. Now, I've been in churches where, where the deacons will operate almost like um, the governing board of a church. Now, we'd say, you know, they'd say, no, no, we're congregational, but nothing gets through without the deacon's approval. And I'm just saying that's not the biblical office of deacon. Deacons are servants. The first deacons that we see in Acts chapter 6, which we'll look at next week, were not there to govern the affairs of the church. They were there to serve tables so that the elders could focus on the word, teaching, preaching the word. Deacons were there to serve tables. And so this morning we're going to focus on the role of pastor. Next week we'll focus on the role of deacon. So go to 1 Timothy 3. 1 through 7, and let's stand together as we read the word the Lord has given to us. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, 
he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you will speak to us. We pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to hear what your word says and to evaluate the, the way our church does things in light of what your word says about the way you want your church to operate. And as we ask those questions, I pray you would give us grace, uh, grace and patience and understanding and wisdom so that the structure here at First Baptist Church of Alamogordo might look more like what your word would call us to. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, now, 1 Timothy 3 is interesting because what you're going to see here is that the, the qualifications for elders or, or overseers or pastors are really expectations that the Bible has for all believers. So if you look at this, right, if, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. And, and I, I think we would look at that and say, well, we hope that all believers would be above reproach, right? Not perfect. Not, not faultless, but blameless. And I, I hope you understand the, the difference in that. So we're not saying that you've got to be perfect, because if that's the case, nobody's qualified. But rather that, that you'd be someone who lives your life of, with integrity. So when others look at your life, they would not be able to bring an accusation of impropriety of any kind. The husband of one wife. As we've already talked about, we, we believe, we, we would say humbly that we believe God has... Um, restricted the role of elder to men. Not to say that the women have no place. We talked about that last week and, and the great ways that women serve the local church. But, but for these roles of elder and for deacon, we would say we believe these are um, reserved for men by God's design. There are churches that would disagree with us. As I said last week, that's not a salvation issue. We, we can still come alongside and do some stuff together, but, but we would say that's a secondary issue. And one by which the Southern Baptist Convention, we still believe stands true, even in today's age, that, that regardless of what our culture says, in God's house, in God's church, this is, this is how we believe we're to organize ourselves. That, that, that pastors would model that with their spouse, would model marriage with their spouse. We'll talk more about what that means in just a minute when he says husband of one wife. That he would be self-controlled. That's a fruit of the Spirit for all believers, right? In uh, Galatians 5. He would not be a drunk. He would not be quarrelsome. Think, think about that. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said in Matthew 5. He would not be greedy. He wouldn't be a bully. These are, so, so these are things that that Paul lays out his qualifications for an elder. And yet, as I said, we would look at many of these and say, well, these should be present in the life of any believer. So in, in one sense, pastors or elders are to live the life of a believer. We, we are called to live an exemplary life. However, that, that doesn't mean that the calling for to be an elder is open to just anyone. And so we've already talked, we believe it's restricted to men. But we don't believe this, is, this falls to just any man. And here, here's why, James 3.1 tells us not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. So in this case, elders then are to live exemplary lives, not perfect, 
but above reproach. And I think it's interesting that all but one qualification for elders that were, that's listed here is related to his character. Did you pick up on that? There's only one that's a skill. And that is that he's able to teach. You know, I wonder if many of the problems that we see in churches today stem from the fact that we look far more to gifting than to character. You know, this, this year so far has not been kind to churches. Earlier this year, um, we, we saw several Southern Baptist churches that were hit as, as some accusations from, from the Me Too movement came out. If you've been following at all the, uh, the story of Willow Creek Church out of Chicago and, and Bill Hybels, who was as big a, if I can use this term, a rock star in the pastor world as we had, and to watch the way his life fell. I wonder how many of these issues come because we focused way too much on the one skill and not enough on the character qualifications when it came to men. See, listen, I want to be a good teacher of God's word. It's one of the things I aspire to. I hope to, to be able to handle the word of truth rightly, to be able to communicate it effectively. But I want much more to be a faithful husband and a father and follower of Christ. And listen, I've still got a long way to go in all of these areas, but at the end of the day, if I'm a great preacher and a lousy husband and father, I've failed. And, and I just wonder how, how often, you know, we have a joke about pastor's kids. Um, it's, it's almost become kind of a sly, you know, byline, oh, they're preacher's kids. And better watch out. I wonder how much of that comes because guys get these things out of order. I want to be a good preacher to the neglect of my, of my father. Listen. It's not something I do perfectly, all right? Don't ask my kids. They'll tell you. <laughs> but, but let me just tell you, I feel that tension where, where the demands of the church are great. It's, I, I can see very easily how guys slip into that mindset. If I'm going to take care of the church and God will take care of my family. So we're going to look really quickly at the roles of, of what elders are called to do, pastors and elders are called to do. The first thing that we see in Scripture is that elders lead. Right? Elders lead. Um, we see some of this in Acts 20, 28. Paul is addressing this church at Ephesus. And he says, uh, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his blood. They're to lead because... As he's going to say, I know that fierce wolves are going to come in. He said, you got to, as, as elders, you have to be on the lookout for these attacks. You've got to lead your people to be on the lookout for these attacks. So elders are called to leave in their marriage, lead in their marriages, lead in their homes, lead in their lives. This is where we see um, above reproach, verse 2. And the husband of one wife. Now, now you've probably heard... This means that a man cannot be uh, divorced and, and serve as an elder. Let me, let me tell you why I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, because that's not exactly what, what the term means. So literally, if, we, if you're translating this literally from the Greek, 
What Paul's saying here is uh, he, an elder must be a one-woman man, meaning faithful to his wife. Now, commentators will discuss, well, does this mean that, that he can't be a polygamist? He can, only have, like, he, can, he, he can only be married to one wife at a time. The problem with that is this polygamy wasn't really an issue in the cultures uh, in which the, the believers lived, and certainly not an issue that, that churches were dealing with by and large. And so it, that wasn't really a, a concern for, for Paul. It was already kind of assumed for believers at this point that they wouldn't be polygamists. Um, so it, it means rather faithful to his wife. Now, there is a Greek word for divorce, but it's interesting that and Paul could have used it here, but he didn't. Right? So, so what he says is, is this man needs to be a one-woman man. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humbly say that I think to take this and say, well, any man who's ever been divorced cannot be a pastor or a deacon goes further than Scripture goes. And so what, what we do in the case of deacons here is we've said we're going to handle this on a case-by-case basis. And, and we don't want to go be, we don't want to have requirements that Scripture doesn't have. But we also want to make sure that, that if someone's uh, in a second marriage, that, that he is, he's proven himself faithful to his wife. I think particularly in cases where uh, there was a, a marriage and a divorce prior to being a believer, that, that should be taken into account. So, so we handle these on a case-by-case basis, trusting that, that, that God will lead us to the men whom, whom he's called to be pastors and deacons, and um, that, that he will put men in our midst who can lead well. So elders lead. Secondly, elders rule. Now, now I know, hold on, just, just <laughs> fill it in and then we'll talk, okay? So, um, <laughs> rule with a Z, rule, elders, elder rules. <laughs> Good grief. This is what he says, right? Verse 3, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. Four, he must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. Verse 5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? So, so Paul here draws a, a, a similarity between the way a man handles his house and the way he'll handle the church. In other words, if you have a pastor and his kids are just wild kid, wild children, out of control, and he's doing nothing to try to rein them in, is he qualified to manage a church? In this case, I would say no. And, and from experience, I've witnessed this firsthand. Pastors whose children have ruined their reputation in the community and made them ineffective as pastors. Not cut their legs out from underneath the ministry because of the way their children acted. Now, if I'm being honest, this one terrifies me. All right? It does. Because as anyone who's been a parent knows, you can teach your kids, you can shepherd them, you can show them the right way. There comes a point where they make their own decisions. So children? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad you're in here for this one. I, I don't want to have to have this talk again. No. And now, the flip, side of that, the, the flip side of that is sometimes I think churches place unreal expectations on the pastors of kids. Okay? And, and, and I thank you. I, I've been so blessed because we've not experienced that in any church that we've been a part of. 
the, the churches that we've served understood that our kids are still kids. And, and, and yeah, pastor's kids are in a weird place because the church building kind of becomes a second home, right? And, and so, you know, we're constantly having to say, don't run through the church. I don't care if there's anybody here or not. Don't, just don't do it. Not, not, don't get in the habit of running through the church. Yes, I know, we spend a lot of time here. I know you, you guys are, are in this building more than other kids. I get it, but, but it's, it's still the church building. Um, that, so when, when I say we want to go to multiple elders, let, let, me, let me say very clearly what I don't mean. I do not mean an elder-ruled church. There's a difference between elder-led and elder-ruled. Now, I told you, I'm Southern Baptist as the day is long, okay? That means I am a congregational guy, right? We will never, as long as I'm here, not be a congregational church. Let me make that clear. We will always be a congregational church as long as I'm here, okay? Because I believe that that's, that's a pattern we see in Scripture. I believe we see God working in and through the people of God. I believe, if, if we believe that that. In the Baptist doctrine of the priesthood of the believer, that means you have just as much of the Holy Spirit as I do. I don't have more direct access to God because of the position I hold within the church. That means in order to effectively see God move in and through the congregation, we need the voice of the people of God. If we believe what Paul teaches about the body of Christ, we need voices. So this doesn't mean that we're going to stop having business meetings and, and elders are going to make all the decisions. That's not, that's not what I'm saying we should go. Rather, what we see is that elders band together, search out the heart of God, seek his leading for our congregation, and, and pray for the, the, the unity of the church. Lead us to be more like Jesus. Elders equip. See this in Ephesians 4 where Paul's talking about um, some, of the, some of the different gifts that, that, some of the different roles that God's called people to, some of the different giftings that he has provided. Ephesians 4, 11-13 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Notice this doesn't say here that elders are called to do all the ministry. In fact, when uh, oftentimes when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I have this great idea about something that we need to be doing as a church, my, my response is usually, that's great. Go for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's cool. So good that God's speaking to you. Isn't it great that, that, that all the ministry in the church doesn't rely on me and my gifting? He's, he's speaking to you. He's calling you to do something cool. Lead out in that. How can I help? How can I resource? You go for it. That doesn't mean everything, right? Hey, I believe we need to, we need to, we need to buy a Ferris wheel and do a Ferris wheel ministry. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, so, but... But oftentimes, if God's laid something on your heart, it might just be that he's calling you to lead out. My prayer, and, and something I hope to be able to do better, is that because I'm the pastor, you're better equipped to make disciples. 
And I love that, you know, you know, we've started this discipleship process called the Three Circles, which I know DJ presented back in June, and, and a, a few of you have gone through. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things that I've seen is, is after taking DJ and Noel and, and teaching this to some guys, when they said, hey, we'll take this and we'll run with it. And I went, yes, like that's what we're supposed to be doing, is equipping others. That's where, that's where 2 Timothy 2.2 comes in. Well, you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, Paul tells Timothy. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right here in this one verse, Paul's looking at four generations of believers. Started with Paul, he passed it on to Timothy. He says, I want you to pass that on to other men who will be able to teach others also. Right here, Paul's already looking at his spiritual great-grandchildren. This is how we see communities and states and worlds transformed with the gospel. Not, not looking to our pastor and saying, well, we pay him, so, so he should be doing all the ministry. When I'm able to equip others to teach men and women who will teach others also. Elders teach. We see that 1 Timothy 3, 2, right? As I said, the only skill that's listed here. Able to teach. I guess the jury's still out on how well I do this, but I've, I, I think I've gotten better through the, through the years. In 2 Timothy 2, 15, Paul tells Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, Correctly teaching the word of truth. Now, as we've seen here, teaching is not the only role of pastors and elders, but it's certainly a big one. It's, it's a weekly deadline. I, I, no matter what else is happening on, throughout the week, I know Sunday morning I've got, I've got the deadline. I've got to be ready to, to bring a message from God's word. It's a skill that can be learned. It's a skill that you can grow in, but it is a skill that elders need to have. In fact, this is the one difference you'll see in elders and deacons. Deacons aren't called, called to be able to teach. They're, they're called to serve. Elders specifically are called to be able to teach. Because so many, of what, so many of the things that we've looked at so far come out of a right handling and a right communicating of the word of God, right? Leading us requires knowing what the scripture says, ruling correctly, equipping in the ministry, requires knowing the, the word of God. And, and finally, this, this last bit, I believe, comes out of the, the teaching and the handling of, of the word of God as well, and that is that elders shepherd. First Peter 5, 1-4 Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
Now, there's some, some aspects to um, shepherding. Shepherds were responsible to feed the flock. They were responsible to care for the flock. They were also responsible to protect the flock from outside attacks. You know, sheep, by and large, are, are kind of helpless animals, right? I mean, in fact, one, one of sheep's primary defense mechanisms, you know what it is? <laughs> it's to fall over. It's to pass out. <laughs> like when a wolf's coming, they get scared. Ah, like it just falls over. That's, that's not real effective, right? <laughs> and so part of the shepherd's job was to, to fend off attacks from the outside. For us... That means leading us, as, as an elder, leading us to have a correct understanding of God's word that we might be able to recognize when Satan's attacking us. We might be able to recognize when someone twists God's word. Because oftentimes it sounds right up to a point. We've got, we got to be able to know God's word enough, well enough to be able to recognize when someone twists it at those points. So elders shepherd, elders teach, elders equip, elders rule, elders lead. So the question that I, that I'm, I ask here is when, when we see all these qualifications and these requirements for this office, is can one pastor do all of this effectively in, in a local church? You know, we often call men based on personality, and that's, that's valid, based on, as I said, skill, based on hopefully character. But I've never met a pastor who does all of these things well. I've, I've, I've known some guys who have done them competently. But everyone will excel in one or two of these areas, and will have other areas that are weaker. And that's why, so again, I made the provocative statement at the beginning, I'm going I'm to wrap it up here. The biblical pattern, the biblical pattern that we see is multiple pastors for each congregation. And again, I didn't, I didn't just pull this out of the blue, okay? So I have some verses here to, to back up what I'm saying. The biblical pattern that we see is multiple pastors for each congregation. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. So it's talking about a single church, Ephesus, and he's summoning the elders, plural. Philippians 1.1, right off the bat. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. See, there's that word we said, overseers and, and elders are, are interchangeable. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers. One city, one church multiple overseers. And finally, uh, one more, Titus 1.5. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. Now he could have said an, an elder in every town. He didn't say that, to appoint elders, plural, in every town. And so listen, listen to what I'm not saying. Okay, I'm not saying this is a, with, with a heavy fist, we will do this or else. That's not what I'm saying. By next week, I want 17 elders. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Don't, 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 don't hear me. Don't go out saying, well, Kyle said. That no. no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm simply saying is where we see a difference in our structure and in that of Scripture, the burden is on us to conform to Scripture. 
And as I said earlier, I believe this is an area we need to adjust. And I believe we need to take steps to adjust to this biblical standard. Okay, that's, that's, I think that's part of what it means to be a shepherd. I'm going to guide us and lead us as, as one called to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the Bible, hold us to biblical standards, then, then I think it's part of my responsibility to shepherd us toward what the Bible would say. And so as I said, I'm not saying next month or next year, but, or next week. I believe that over the next year, we need to take some steps to, to do this, to begin identifying men whom I believe God's already placed among us. Okay, so this doesn't mean we're going out, doing a search, bringing on more staff. But I believe God's placed and is placing some men here whom he's raising up to, to fill this role. So will you... All I'm asking you to do right now is to join me in praying that, that as the body of Christ at First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, we would have unity in following what I believe is the, the biblical um, pattern here. Again, it's not a salvation issue. It doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that, that God's going to remove his hand of blessing if, if we don't line up on every point. There's, listen, there's probably stuff that we're out of line with that, that we don't even know about yet, Okay. That's part of what it means to be a believer, right? Is that we're constantly asking questions. Where is my life out of line with what God's called us to do? I think the same is, is true in our church. Where, where in our church are we off the mark from what God has called us to do? Where do we need to adjust? If Ultimately, if we believe this is the word of God, if we believe it's sufficient, then we believe that as we seek to align our lives and our churches with the word of God. God will bless those efforts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the great opportunity that we have to gather and to worship. And I thank you so much for this book of 1 Timothy. And I pray we would ask questions of our own lives as we read scripture where, where we're missing the mark in our, in our lives where we need to realign with your word. And the same for our church that we'd be asking these questions. Where do we need to align ourselves with your word? Will you show us how to do that? Will you give us your wisdom? Thank you so much for the privilege of serving the people here at First Baptist Church. I thank you for the blessing of your word. And I thank you for the servants that we have here. God, continue to work in and through us, shaping us and molding us into the image of your son. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.